Welcome to Sell Smarter, Sell Faster, a podcast dedicated to helping sales organizations grow. Each week, we discuss proven sales enablement strategies and real-life examples with experts and thought leaders from across industries. I'm your host, Danny Buckley, Vice President and General Manager at Lead G2, a sales performance agency. In this episode, we're exploring the crucial role content plays in truly serving your audience, asking questions like, what makes a piece of content truly valuable? What are the pros and cons of utilizing AI and content creation? And how can business leaders, sellers, and marketers stay current on the latest content creation trends? Joining me to answer those questions and more is the awesome Chelsea Castle from Lavender. Chelsea shares a ton of great insights like, how can you create content that passes the eyebrow test? why AI is an assistant and not a replacement for all of your content creation needs, and finally, how every piece of content you create should come from a place of genuinely wanting to be as helpful as possible to your audience. Welcome, Chelsea. I'm really excited to dive into this topic today with you. Thanks for being here. How are you today? Hi, Danny. Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. I'm great. Um, That's one of my favorite things to do is talk to people about things that I'm excited to learn new stuff. So um, that's what we're going to do. And content is definitely one of my favorite topics. And so I'm excited to talk to you about your expertise and just to kind of give everyone some familiarity. Tell us a little bit about your background and experience, kind of, you know, um, what makes you, you know, an expert on content? Yeah, for sure. So like a lot of marketers, I did not study marketing in school. My background's actually in journalism. So I went to school for journalism. I worked in newspapers and magazines for a while. Uh, and then I worked in the agency world, which is also very different. Um, kind of cut my teeth on marketing there and worked on both the marketing side and the client facing side where I helped actually create websites for clients. So that's where I was like, okay, I like really like this tech stuff. Um, and then I worked at a few different tech companies. So I worked at an email servicing company. And then I worked at uh, Chili Piper, which a lot of our listeners might be familiar with. And now I'm at Lavender. And throughout the course of my career, content and writing has obviously been at the core of it. So um, for me, my very diverse background in kind of learning both like journalism from like a writing standpoint and what that how that applies to marketing and websites and UX and UI and just like the whole breadth of marketing and content experience is really at the core and just like having a really diverse skill set. So I'm yeah. excited to kind of apply that to marketing today. I love that. Yeah. A lot of our content strategists have journalism backgrounds. Even some of our consultants have, um, and even I do, one of my degrees is, is related to journalism. So it, yes. it does make it very valuable. <laughs> um, great. So let's get into the topic of content and, and really um, from like a kind of talking through like with marketing and sales. Um, so in your opinion, what makes a piece of content truly valuable to an audience? I know that's a pretty broad question, but but yeah, tell us about that. And if you can even define content in this context, maybe to start us off, that might be helpful mm. for everybody. What are we talking about here? Yeah, I think that's really important. I'm glad you mentioned that because content today, of course, can refer to so many different content types, can refer to social media posts and written content, et cetera. Um, for this question and for the most of this conversation, I'll be referring to what I think is the more traditional use of the word, which is like written content, right? So articles, but also like any form of written content you might see on the website. Um, When it comes to, I guess I'll say I love any question where I can answer it with it depends. (laughs) And I think this is one of those, right? For me, and when I think about viable content, it depends on the audience and it depends on the brand. 
Um, I think what a marketer might find valuable in a piece of content is going to be different than maybe what a software engineer finds valuable in a piece of content. I think at the crux of it, though, it needs to be helpful. The reader needs to walk away from consuming your piece of content, um, which honestly, like it could be, this could be applied to like any form of content, however you define it. But I traditionally just think of written content. Um, They have to walk away saying like, okay, I learned something new, or this made me think differently, or now I have a tool or a template that I can go and take and apply to my like actual job today in my day to day. And it's helpful. Uh, I think a lot of content today can either be fluffy or duplicative or very like there's a sea of sameness for sure in B2B right now, or it can be boring and doesn't offer anything new. I also like the eyebrow test where does a piece of content make you like raise your eyebrow in either like a curious way or I kind of disagree with that kind of way or I learned something new or it it should just kind of evoke something. But really, it should just be helpful and be something that's not just like fluffy. Yeah, I I appreciate that because I I agree so much, especially when people are trying to write SEO, um, you know, nice optimized content and they're thinking that that's the first thing they're thinking of. They're, com- they're completely forgetting oftentimes, like, is this actually a value to, to the end user? And um, and that could really hurt your efforts. Like, yeah, maybe you drove traffic there, but then what? What do they think about you and this piece of content and your brand um, if it's really fluff and not of any value? Yeah. And like, so often I think we forget no matter what your role is, especially like as if you're a salesperson, a marketer, et cetera, that there's a human on the other end of it, yes. right? That's something I say all the time. It's like there's a human on the other end of this email or this article. Like, why are you asking for their time? And what are you actually trying to do? Like, if you're trying to provide value with your content, just remember that there's a human on the other end. And what would you want to see when, like, when yeah. you're creating it as well? Yeah, love that. So let's talk about measuring the success of content, right? Um, how do you recommend people measure the success? Let's, let's, let's focus on blogs, actually, and articles, right? Okay. I think that's a good place to start. Like, how do we measure success for that? And how do you make database decisions? Yeah, so when it comes to measuring success, I like to group things in two buckets. So qualitative and quantitative. And for qualitative, I care a lot about like the comments that we receive on the posts where we're sharing the content, like where we're sharing the blog, you know, since you're wanting to focus on blogs, or I might create a Twitter thread about to promote the blog. And I care about how people are responding to it, engaging with it. I think that qualitative feedback is definitely underrated. So that's like a big one that I put a lot of focus on. I think it's really important to see what people are saying about it in communities, what you're hearing from customer success and your sales team who should be using your content and using those blogs. Um, All of that feedback is really important Um, for quantitative, especially for blogs, right? So there's the passive or vanity metrics, and then there's the more active or like bottom line metrics. So I care obviously about like referral traffic and page views and time on page and session, session duration and bounce rate. Although like that's with, with like a bit of grain of salt, especially with GA4 these days. Um, and then I'm also looking at like distribution channels and like that referral traffic rate. I think that's something that isn't um, looked at enough. Um, let's see what else. And then there's like contract attribution, which is where things get a little muddy. So what is it actually doing for pipeline and revenue? And it's tricky, but there definitely are ways to kind of get at how content is influencing pipeline and closed one revenue. Um, we've definitely found some ways to do that in the past. And I say influence because content is most often not going to be first touch or last touch. It's kind of like a whole journey experience. And, um, it's really nice that I've always 
pretty much always had, well, mostly always had a CEO uh, and marketing team that understands that and uh, is kind of marching toward the right metrics. So um, that qualitative and quantitative bucket breakdown is really helpful in my experience. No, I love that. And and just to like break it down even further for folks, I love that you mentioned attribution reporting because, you know, I, I, to like oversimplify it for people listening, you know, what we're talking about is like, let's say you close the deal, you close a new client, a new customer, and how valuable would it be to be able to see if there was content, there was marketing and all kinds of attribution, right? That actually contributed to the sale, right? So it's like, of course, the salesperson did what they needed to do from, you know, from this point on, but like, how did, did this, did this prospect before they even talked to sales, did they maybe read a couple of articles? What articles impacted them? Did they maybe download something? Were they on certain pages of your website? Those types of things are going to help you, right? Like make better data-based decisions on what content is um, playing a role in actually closing new business. Yeah, 100%. All those things are signals. And I think especially the qualitative feedback, I don't think I dug deeper there. They're all signals, right? Into like what's working, what's not working. And especially when a lot of those comments qualitatively are coming from actual prospects, you know, you might get people who are engaging with it who aren't necessarily your ICP. But if those people are really engaging with it and letting you know, even if it's just a few people, that's such a valuable signal that you're doing something right and it's resonating with your core audience. Um, you have all this data, right? Like the qualitative, yeah. the quantitative, however you want to break it down. You take that again, you take and measure that against your business KPIs and your goals. Um, it's a decision-making puzzle. And I think data is a big piece of that puzzle, but it's not the only piece. So yeah. when I think about making decisions and smart decision-making, especially in like 2023 with just like the state of the world and state of technology right now, data is a big piece of it. But you also have to take into consideration like business goals and values and beliefs and also your expertise and the experience that you and other people on the team bring to the table. I think a lot of times we get caught up in making data driven decisions, but it's just piece of it. Right. So it's it's it should be like omnidirectional and not the one indicator of a decision. There should always be other considerations because data is not ever going to tell you the whole story. Yes. Yes. I love that. And, and like, so for instance, people might say, okay, well, let's, we're going to re-promote this popular blog post that gets all this traffic. But it's like, if you really aren't paying attention, you might realize like this traffic is a lot, but it's not actually like qualified traffic or it's not the best, yes. you know, maybe the topic brought in a lot of traffic, but it's not actually generating leads or whatever it might be. So there's all kinds of like, yeah. you get stuck on these numbers and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> let's, let's put on our human uh, hat too. <laughs> so yeah, well, talking about humans versus robots, which is kind of where <laughs> I'm going a little bit, we cannot talk about content and not talk about AI right now, of course. Um, so with more and more, you know, sophisticated tools, you know, every minute it, it, something new is, um, I'm getting a new email, new tool, uh, you know, ChatGPT obviously kind of launched us all into this space. And now it's just like, it's, it's, it, it, there's no turning back, um, which is exciting. And there's pros and cons, of course. So I'm curious, like just right now as of, um, not sure exactly when this episode will air, but let's say around April, 2023, <laughs> what, uh, what are, do you see as like the pros and cons of using AI and content creation? And are there any specific ways that you recommend people be using it right now within like the foreseeable future? Or don't yeah. use it. Yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of thoughts, especially working for an AI company. And I will say, oh, not an AI expert. I'm still learning as most of us are, but it's a really exciting time. And I think if anyone has been paying attention to, especially this week when we're recording, uh, GPT-4 was just announced by OpenAI. And it's a really exciting thing yeah. that's happening right now in terms of how OpenAI is really dedicated to harnessing this technology and machine learning for 
humanity. Um, yep. Still kind of like wrapping my head around what that means. But when our day to day life and we're thinking about our work and content specifically, there are definitely pros and cons. I think it's um, it's an assistant or it's a tool or it's a shortcut. It's it's not going to be a replacement. It's not going to be perfect. Um, one of my favorite use cases for it is thinking of it as like a research assistant. So a lot of people are going to chat GPT plugging in things and asking for uh, plugging in prompts and asking for the machine to generate exact copy to use for an email or exact copy to use for X. And I think that's like a misuse of the tool, honestly, because it's going to generate something that's that's long that, you know, if, if you plug that into our tool, Lavender is going to tell you it's going to score pretty low and it's not going to get a good reply rate. And it sounds like a robot. It doesn't sound like a human. But when you think about it more from it can really synthesize content. So you can plug in a whole bunch of links, ask it like to, uh, to articles or to videos even. This is like an amazing use case. Yeah. And you can ask it to read and analyze and understand these videos and summarize it for you. And then that research, you can go take and use it to write your article. And it's going to save you so much time, right? So it's a shortcut. Um, Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's definitely not factually accurate. I say like trust, but verify. It's actually something that our uh, CEO, William Ballin, says a lot um, because that's how he uses it. And it's kind of inspired me to use it in that same way. Um, But I think when you think about it, again, like it's it's just not going to be a replacement. It's meant to be a tool to help us and not just replace writing your article or writing your sales email or whatever that might be. It's really powerful when used correctly. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to say it again. Trust, but verify. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, that's really great. Um, I feel like that that reflects our approach at Lee G2 and the Center for Sales Strategies. Same thing with AI. We're like, yeah, let, let's go all in. Let's lean into this technology. Like, let, let's trust it. But like, let's also be smart and let's verify. I love that. I mean, I'm totally going to share that with my team and use that one. Yeah, um, all credit to Will for that. That's not me. I love, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and so is there... Let's one question uh, that comes up a lot is, you know, folks that have like a good content strategy for their brand and, and they're 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 staying the course. They put all this work into like researching their target persona and figuring out how they're you know, they have their content calendar and all this stuff. And then it's like, OK, is it working? Is it not? Is it working good enough? A lot of these questions come up. And, and what it leads to is the question often of like, do we need to adjust? Should we blow up our content strategy, do something different? You know, there's a new trend. There's new best practices. There's new um, data and information we have. And, and so we often hear like, no, we just want to keep doing what we plan for the year. Or is it like, when should someone really evaluate, you know, and maybe change the complete direction or, or partial direction? So I'm just curious your thoughts on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is interesting, especially because of my experience. I've never, I'm really curious like what your experience is and uh, especially for the listeners to think about this. I've never worked anywhere in marketing where we've stayed the course for the entire year. Like that's never happened. Agreed. Um, (laughs) Something has always come up or the CMO or the CEO is always saying we need to do this or we're making this strategy pivot, uh, especially in the last few years, right? So we pivoted a lot with COVID at companies I worked at. We've pivoted a lot because of the uh, social injustice in the world or just a lot of like so many different reasons just like in society and and even right now right so we've had um i think risk aversion with buyers is a, is a really big thing over the last year but especially right now and there's just so many considerations as society is kind of gets at the human element right i didn't really think about this until right now but as humans, our lives are impacted by so many factors that change every aspect of our lives. And when we show up to work and we're buying, we're selling, we're marketing, 
all of those things, like we show up as our, ourselves. So everything that's happening in the world impacts how we buy and how we sell and how we market. So you have to be agile and you have to pivot. Um, and again, like some of those pivots to your content strategy are dictated internally and not by external uh, influences. But um, I guess to get at your question, I mean, you have to be agile and just able to move um, and able to pivot. If you're asking, like, when you, like, are, I guess I'm curious, are you asking when you know you should or yeah. how to handle it when you need to? Uh, that's a good question. What am I asking? You know, maybe both. I like, <laughs> I, I think, um, yeah, let's start with the, the first one. Like, yeah, when, what are maybe some signs someone can look for that they need to like maybe pivot? Yeah. So I think one is like trends, right? So monitoring the conversations that you, that are happening with your sales team. So I'm just thinking like a marketer. Yeah. Maybe you're hearing a lot of things coming up, a lot of objections that keep popping up that you're not addressing in your content. And you need to know, okay, I need to pause this. I have this entire month of content planned for, um, you know, on my calendar, but there's a lot of things that are coming up for my sales team that they're saying and seeing in the market. And we need to respond to that. Um, I think that's a really important thing. You really need to be in lockstep with your sales team because they're the ears on the ground knowing what needs to, what, what they're, what the needs yeah. are of your audience. Um, and then I think it's like, what's working, what's not working kind of getting to what we were saying earlier, if you're putting out all this work and you're not seeing a lot in response, like qualitative responses, you're not seeing a lot of like engagement, you're not getting any signals that the work you're doing is resonating. And then maybe it's getting like decent page views, but are page views going up? Like content is a long-term game. So when you're looking at your metrics holistically, there should be upward movement for sure. You might have some like dips, of course, especially like seasonally, but there should always be upward movement. So if that's not happening, or maybe it's happening with page views, but maybe sessions and um, like session duration and time on page is low. Those are signals that you might want to pivot and just do do things differently. Yeah. I think also B2B is changing so much that I think it's okay to not always stay your course as long as you have intention and buy-in on your strategy. So I've definitely been in scenarios where strategy changes like so much month to month and there's whiplash and then you're never going to know what works if you change too much. So people like you might also be in a scenario where you're getting pushback to change from leadership, but you're like, well, yeah. wait a second. Like we don't know what works yet. Cause we haven't yeah. done it long enough. You can give it so a I think shot. that's, yeah, I think that's important too. No, I love that. I'm glad you, you mentioned that because it, it is a fine balance, right? It's like sticking to the strategy that you are committed to, but also knowing when to make tweaks and uh, pivot, but give yourself a chance. So I love that. Yeah. Um, so I always like to ask a question like this, um, you know, for those that are maybe uh, just, maybe sitting down and, and really focusing on their content strategy for the year, or they're thinking about pivoting, or they're trying to figure out how to incorporate some new trends. And um, what is like one piece of advice you really want, uh, like business leaders or content strategists, marketers to kind of walk away with today that you think will help them? Yeah, I love this question. So I kind of have two things. Okay, I would say right. conviction, conviction and serve your, serving your audience. Um, those are like the two biggest content principles for me personally. And I think for serving your audience, I think I would encourage people to think about what that means for you. It might mean something different as a content marketer and also for your business. Yeah. Uh, everything that you do should be about your, your audience and your users and your customers. And I think when you do that and you do that authentically and you're just everything you're doing and creating is serving them and being helpful to them there's an element of reciprocity and just giving and not expecting anything in return and just being helpful through content. I've always seen that just kind of come back in spades. Um, 
And then I think around conviction, the brands that are really winning today have strong conviction in what they will and won't do. Um, And that's one of the reasons why I joined Lavender is it's been like a co-founder content led business and them as well as a lot of other brands today, like I'll call out Spark Toro as an example. They have a really strong conviction in how they do things and how they don't want to do things. And I think you're starting to see that in more and more brands today, especially in our space. And I think that is like definitely one thing that I would I guess, offer up as a piece of advice to keep in mind with your strategy of sticking with that conviction and using that as like your North Star. And that'll be definitely a big competitive advantage today. I love that. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, This has been so great, Chelsea. It's so nice to connect with you. And I appreciate you, um, yeah, like sharing your insights and your expertise with us. Thanks for coming today. Yeah. Thanks so much, Danny. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and I know, um, be sure to connect with Chelsea if you'd like. We've got her contact information in the show notes. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you'd love to hear from people, right? If they have follow-up questions yeah. and all that fun stuff. Um, and we just look forward to seeing you all in the next episode of Sell Smarter, Sell Faster. And until then, happy selling. Thanks for joining us on Sell Smarter, Sell Faster. If you like what you hear, click that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Be sure to visit our website, sellsmartersellfaster.com, where you can find even more helpful sales enablement and inbound marketing content.